Hey, can we give the worship team a round of applause? I just want to thank them uh, for all they've done and all they're doing. Uh, we have gifts. We, we've all been given different gifts, and so it's good to celebrate uh, those gifts as we honor God. Well, welcome to New Vintage Church. If I haven't met you before, uh, and there's a good chance I haven't met a lot of you, my name's Matt. Uh, I'm super excited to be the new lead pastor here, uh, and I'm glad that you are here. Uh, I, it's exciting and a crazy season. My wife and I are going back and forth. Uh, she's working today up in Simi Valley, and uh, I get to be down here with you guys, so I'm excited. Uh, when I thought about how to start, when I thought about, okay, what do we do? Do I talk about my vision? Do I talk about some of the things that I want to do? Do I talk about, you know, Peter, one of my favorite uh, disciples? When I, am I going to talk about, what am I going to talk about? I thought, you know, I want to start, and I want this ministry, and I want my time here, however long it is, hopefully a very long time, to be focused on Jesus. And, and I started thinking about Jesus, and, and he is the central, the theme of our faith. And I thought, how many times, even though he's the sinner, even though he's, you know, who we look to, how often he's misunderstood and misrepresented, right? I mean, there are so many times where I will hear people say something or I'll see somebody do something and I know they're like, man, I'm just here to serve God. And I'm like, that's not God. <laughs> Jesus, like, you know, remember those, like, what would Jesus do bracelets? Like, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't say that. And, and so I thought, man, like, what a better place to start than seven times where Jesus says, I am. Amen. Because we can rely on that. We can trust in that. We can know that when Jesus says, I am, and he fills in the blank, that whatever he's filling the blank in has meaning and that it has purpose. Have you ever been misunderstood? You ever been misunderstood? I'm sure we all have. You ever said something and somebody takes it completely differently? In 1912, Mrs. Yeager misinterpreted a wire from her husband, Mr. Yeager, and took drastic and, as it turns out, very unnecessary measures as a result. Now, Mr. Yeager was a known gambler, and he especially loved to gamble on horses. And so, remember, this is 1912, not 2012 or 2022 or 2023. Didn't have smartphones. Uh, he sent a wire to his wife. And his wife read the wire, uh, and she totally misunderstood it. What she read was broke, even lost on Dolly. She panicked. I mean, her husband was a known gambler. Her husband had bet the, the farm again, as it, the saying goes, and lost everything. And in her haste and in her rush, she misunderstood the wire, and she went and sold her $35,000 worth of jewelry for $6,000 so that they could maybe get by. Now, I'm going to pause right here because, like, $35,000 worth of jewelry in 1912, I just wonder about priorities. But anyway, besides that... <laughs> Besides that, her husband gets back, and she's in a panic, and she's a little frustrated and upset, and she says, what happened? And he's like, what do you mean what happened? 
And, and she, she says, I, I hawk my jewelry. We have $6,000. What are we going to do? And, and, and he pulls up the telegram, and he said, look, look what I wrote. What I wrote was broke even. I lost on Dolly. I broke even. We, we, I did good. I came home with money in my pocket. I lost on Dolly, but everything else went okay. Big misunderstanding. And I would love to say that they figured it out. They went to counseling and, and everything went right, but it, it didn't. It ended very poorly. Maybe you've had something like that happen. You've written a text with great intentions and it's completely misunderstood. My wife texted me this morning uh, and it was awesome because she, she texted me something and I said, read that again. And, and she wrote back because she had said two different things. She said, oh yeah, like I, I was saying I can't wait until you get home. You know, I'm looking forward to this week. And I said, no, look at the other part that you wrote. Because the other part that she wrote completely did not make sense. And listen, I'm not throwing stones because I'm the worst. I voice dictate everything that I text. Now, I know some of you guys are rolling your eyes right now because you're like, only old people do that. I'm old, okay? Like, it's just, that's where it is. But I'll, I'll voice dictate something and I'll send it and then uh, I'll look back at the text and I'm like, man, that does not make any sense. And so she did that and, and, and I just think about how many times we, we, we are misrepresented or we misunderstood and this happens with Jesus too. Uh, when we were in Oregon, uh, I was doing student ministry, and we partnered uh, with a bunch of local churches and did this cool thing uh, for Christmas. We collected toys, and we had collected a bunch of toys at our church, and one of the things that we did is we did that every year, and then we would take them over to the host site, and we would make sure to unload them all, to get them set up and get them to go, and we would serve our community. It was a really neat thing that we got to do. And so I'd been emailing back and forth with this organization, talking to them about what we were going to do. And uh, we were pumped because we had raised tons and tons, like truckloads after truckloads of toys. We were so stoked. We had bikes. We had games. We had clothes. We had, I mean, it was like, I want to shop here. This is going to be awesome. And so we showed up uh, on the night of, and there was like between students and adults, there was like 40 of us. And we had trucks, and we had muscle, and we had like youthful energy. And I was like, let's go. So we get over there, and we unload everything in about 10 minutes, and the lady says, please, we need help. And I was like, that's what we're here to do. How can we serve? What can we do? She said, no, I need you to come back in two days. I'm like... I've been emailing you for over a month. What do you mean come back in two days? Like, do you know how hard it is to get 40 students and adults anywhere at the same time to serve a purpose? Like, we're, we're hurting cats here, right? And, and so she says, well, I, I just, I need, we, we, we can't do anything right now. And I said, well, what needs to be done? Well, we need to stack these chairs and then we can unpack everything and put it in certain, we can sort it and put it in certain spots. And I was like, we'll stack the chairs. No, 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 no. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you cannot stack the chairs. I thought I had like gone past, you know, clearance at the police station or something and I was about to get taken down. And I was like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? She's like, Joe does the chairs. I was like, where's Joe? <laughs> like, I mean, my heart is like great in this. I'm like, let's just serve. We want to help out. Where's Joe? Joe's at work. 
when Joe be back in two days? Well, okay, like, I'm just like, what do you want me to do? And she was getting frustrated, and I was getting frustrated because I was like, we're here to serve, but we can't move some chairs because Joe's not here. I thought, how sad. How many times do we do this? How many times do we get in the way of the help that is being offered the church, this organization, this thing that was such a great thing was so poorly represented by this person who didn't know how to get around Joe. When people were trying to serve and commit and jump in, and the good news and bad news is that Jesus understands this in every way. Jesus understands what it is to be misunderstood. Jesus understands what it is to be misrepresented. Maybe no one in history has been more misunderstood and misrepresented than Jesus, right? We see things that happen, we're like, that's not what Jesus was about. So maybe you have questions about Jesus, or you're exploring whether you want to give Jesus a chance today, and you're here, you're like, hey, I'm here, I was drugged here, or somebody promised me some amazing coffee from next door after service is over, or they're taking me out to lunch. I'm glad you're here, because I want you to know who Jesus says he is. I think it's worth investigating and because I believe and I believe that you believe that you believe that we believe that we all believe that we want to be informed, right? <laughs> like we want to be informed. We, we want to understand and make sure that we're following the right thing and I, I believe that about you. And, and I love that. That's one of the things that I love about the skeptics right now. It's because they're saying like, what is it really about? What, who is this Jesus that you're really talking about? And I appreciate that because they care about what they're following or choosing not to follow. In other words, we don't want to make the same mistake that Miss Yeager made in 1912. So as we jump in, uh, there's a reference when we talk about I am to the Old Testament. The Jewish understanding of God, Right? Yahweh, Jehovah, he names himself, I am. During the Exodus, he, they say, like, what happens if the Pharaoh asks who sent me? And he says, tell them, I am sent you. That, that, that I am sent you. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, and he uses that same language and he says, I am. I have come, the I am, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, the I am. Now, I want you to know that because a lot of times uh, in our lack of understanding of Jewish culture and the culture at that time, we would miss that, right? But this is powerful. This is a powerful time because he's saying, listen, I am is here the Messiah that was foretold, the one that you've been waiting for, the one who promises to take away the sins of the world, I am is here. And so like they were listening. They're like, what is going on? Now fast forward, Jesus has performed an incredible miracle. And it's a miracle that a lot of you are familiar with. He had fed a multitude. In fact, a multitude was 5,000 men. Just men, not counting the women and children. 5,000 men, women, and children with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Not only were they fed, uh, but they 
got all they wanted and they picked up baskets of leftovers. Now, again, like cultural context, being fed for the day was something that you couldn't just drive to your local Starbucks, McDonald's, you know, you guys are going to have to tell me the great spots here, whatever it was, and say, hey, here's my piece of plastic, and then you get food in return. They, they didn't do that. It was a lot harder to come by food. They, they had to take rations with them, especially if they were traveling far away from home. Five loaves, two fish, over 5,000 fed. Now, this elicits power because if somebody can feed that many people just with five loaves and two fishes, people are like, man, this guy has some power. He can do some amazing things, so naturally they want more. They're seeking him, but their reasons are a little bit off. You ever been in a situation where someone approaches you and you can tell that they want something from you, not with you? You're like, you just want to see what you can get from me. You don't actually want to know me, to have a relationship with me, to, to have a, a friendship or a partnership. It's all about what you can do for them. We're going to jump in to John chapter 6 today. And then that's the, the main area that we're going to be in. John chapter 6, verse 25, it says, uh, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because Jesus had just fed the 5,000, they were satisfied, and he goes over to the other side of the lake, and they're like, where's the guy that fed us? Right? We, we, we're hungry, it's time for breakfast. Jesus knows their hearts and he says in the following verse, in verse 26, it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Jesus cuts straight to the point and he's saying, listen, you wanna be with me just because I fed you. But there's so much more going on right here. There's so much more going on in what I'm doing and the miraculous signs that I'm performing. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, like, great, miraculous signs. We just want more bread and fish. You got some more? But Jesus then gives them a change of perspective. He offers a profound truth that's as relevant today as it was then. He says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. There's, there's a couple things happening right here. He's saying, don't work for food that spoils, work for food that endures to eternal life. Don't, don't, don't go for the shortcut, go for the thing that's really important. And he finishes with this third point, which the Son of Man will give to you. He's saying there's more to life than just temporary stuff. Look for the eternal, the everlasting. They begin to say, why should we believe that? Why should we believe? For, for what reason should we believe this? What sign are you going to give? And this was something that they were kind of used to. It had been passed down from generation uh, to generation of the Israelites when they came out of slavery. They were given bread from heaven to eat, manna, right? There was a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And at some point, I'm going to teach on that. And it's one of my favorite things just to kind of unpack about the provision and leadership of God. This not only sustained them, 
It also showed that God was with them. In verse 32 of John chapter six, Jesus says, and I don't want you to miss it. Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. See, they thought Moses who led them out of slavery, Moses who freed them from Pharaoh's rule, Moses who led them through the Red Sea, they're like, Moses gave us a sign. He gave us manna from heaven and he's saying, listen, I'm gonna tell you the truth. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They say, and I, I love this. I, I love this because it's, it's like me, right? I love the Bible. Let's listen, uh, we get a lot of ideas, talking about misunderstood and misrepresented. There's a lot of ideas about the Bible that the Bible isn't approachable or it doesn't make any sense. And I get that there's some jargon and names and, you know, Jebusites and Nebusites and all these sites that you don't quite get. But listen, the Bible is so real and so approachable because they do exactly what we would have done. As soon as they hear this, they say, give us this bread, always. Isn't that like us? Oh, there's, there's living bread? Give it to us. Thank you. Like, give us this bread. Always sustain our physical needs. Always fill our stomachs. Jesus says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is where we get our first I am statement. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He's saying, my father supplied the bread, not Moses. I am the representation of the filling of your soul. You guys catch that? It's not bread that fills our stomach. It's not a water that, that wets our throats. It is the fulfillment, the true fulfillment of our souls and our hearts and who God created us to be. John 6, 39 through 40 says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. I'm the bread of life. I've come to fully satisfy. I've come to fully fill. I've come to let you know that you are complete in me. I don't want to lose any one of you. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. So who does Jesus say he is? When it comes to I am, what is he saying? He says he's the bread of life. In him you will never hunger or thirst. He says you came for physical nourishment, but I'm here to give you spiritual fulfillment. Jesus says I've come that you may have life and life to the full. I want you to thrive, not only in this life, but in the life to come. I don't want to just feed you another day and for you to exist. I want to give you life that you better than you ever expected. Guys, this is good news. You know that's why it's called good news? Because it frees the captives. It's not because of work so that no man may boast. It's the gift of God that we have fulfillment in him. And he says, I want you to live 
I want you to really live. In fact, Jesus is saying, I want you to experience this Greek word, zoe. You know, some of you have heard the word zoe before. It means life, right? But it means more than just life. It means quality life. In fact, a real, genuine, a life active and vigorous. A life that when you wake up, you're like, let's go. Instead of, when is it over? Right? Jesus is offering that kind of life to them. He wants them to have that kind of zoe. Mark Twain, I, I both love and, and it makes me sad when I read this quote, but I think it's so true for so many people. Mark Twain said, most men die at 27 and we just bury them at 72. Man, don't you know people like that? And, and, and I would gather to guess that in some corners of your heart, you might even say, yeah, that's me at times. There's moments where I'm not spiritually alive in that area of my life. I'm not, I've died to, to my joy and my happiness and my fulfillment that God offers in that area. Jesus says, I'm here to give you life to the full. Your life isn't over at 27 or 57. No, it's just begun and it has purpose. This is something that we're all looking for, right? This is something we're all looking for, right? Yeah, like we want purpose. We, we want to wake up excited about the day. We want to wake up, uh, you know, knowing that, that God has things for us that we can, you know, look, I, I was telling the, the team earlier, we kind of do a little run through uh, for everybody that's serving. And, and I used to talk about how uh, the pastor at the church that I went to in high school, he would come out every day. And it was so cool because we got to sing the song, the first song that we sang. And he would come out and he would say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it every time. And I like it too, but I'm going to be honest. I liked it the first five times. At time 10, at time 20, at time 100, I was like, doesn't this guy have any more material? Like this Bible is full of stuff and there's really good stuff. And then I got older and I was like, okay, I get it. Because we need reminders that this day, that today, Amen. that today is a day that the Lord has made and that we can rejoice and be glad in it because we have purpose, because we have fulfillment, that we have nourishment, not because of the things that we do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I'll rejoice even if there's molehills. I'll rejoice even if there's mountains. I'll rejoice even if there's an addiction that I don't know if I can overcome. I'll rejoice even if financially I'm going through a hard time. I'll rejoice that even though the world seems against me that I know that my God is greater than anything that might come. Amen. I choose to rejoice. See, there's a part of that I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice. That's a beautiful choice that we get to make. Because we say, what am I going to put on the throne of my life? What guides me? What directs me? What leads me? And this is a choice to say, I will rejoice and be glad in him. Because who he is 
and what he's doing. And like I said, this is something that we're all looking for, right? We, we have this sense that like you belong and you belong and you belong, but I don't belong. Like you fit in and you figured out the formula and you got all those things going for you that, that you wanted to figure out. But if I'm going to be real, I'm not sure if I quite fit in. This is like my first day teaching here. And I would be lying to you if there's not a part of me that goes, man, I want them to like me. I, I, I want to make sure that, that I'm, I'm accepted here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't have to wait long for that. I, I was a little concerned for a second. But, but as I started like thinking about that and as I've been praying about you know, all those things that go through the human heart, I was like, man, listen, God, I want to honor you. I want to put you on the throne of my life. I want to serve you. And even if no one else quite gets me, because I'm a little off and a little weird sometimes, uh, like I talk about like I'm not short in anything with teaching, with talking to people except for in my stature. Like you might not like me in every way, but I want to honor God above all and in that we can find unity and that we can find hope and in that we can find trust and so when Jesus says I am the bread of life it brings hope it brings hope to a people who are used to going without sometimes for days at a time and they find belonging and you can find belonging and we can find belonging together in the kingdom of God. Because you do belong. Even though you might not feel like you don't, even though you might feel like, well, I've given in to apathy and addictions. It's why I've sacrificed my integrity on the altar of getting in. It's why movie stars and musicians and self-made moguls take their lives because they no longer have meaning. We find our meaning and our purpose in Christ. The beauty of this I am statement is that Jesus comes to us and he says, behold, I stand at your door and knock. Guys, that's something incredible, that God pursues us, that God seeks after us, that he says, I stand at your door and I knock. Will you let me in? I want to offer you fulfillment. I want to offer you grace. I want to offer you life and life to the full. I already did the work. I already pray, paid the price. You are loved fully by me. You, beloved, you are loved. You belong. You are home. So when we have those whisperings in the dark places of our heart, when we see the groups of people out there laughing and enjoying life and we're just looking for a spot, know that you are accepted by him. Know that you have belonging and a home with Jesus. See, I want you to get this today. I, I, I want you to really try to like wrestle and fully come to understand who Jesus says I am in your life. Jesus doesn't want to show you how to survive. He says, I'm here that you might thrive. Guys, there's something so beautiful to that. 
There's something so beautiful that he's, he's like, like, I'm not just here to get you by past another day and, and maybe we'll see about tomorrow. I'm certainly not sure about next week. He's like, no, I want you to thrive. I want you to live life as I've intended it. You know anybody who's just like happy all the time? You can raise your hands. Anybody know anybody? Okay, I see somebody in the back. I see somebody here. Okay, I feel like Oprah for a second. Okay. Like, I have some friends. They're just happy all the time. And if you're like me, sometimes it frustrates you. You're like, why are you so happy? (laughs) Why are you so happy? I have a friend who actually has been pulled over on many occasions, not once, not twice, not five times. I'm talking dozens of times because people, police officers think he's high. Now, I kind of say like the jury's still out, but like this guy is always happy. He's always happy. He's always smiling. He's always singing. And because of that, he'll be like swerving down the road, driving 20 miles an hour. And I'm like, move out of the way. I got stuff to do. He knows who he is in Christ. He's finding his fulfillment and his place and his purpose in Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to show you just how to survive. Okay, I'm waking up. Got another day. Let's see if I can make it till six o'clock. He says, I'm here that you might thrive. I'm here the living bread. I'm here that you might not thirst again. I'm here to give you life. We see this in Psalm 8. I I love the Psalms. If you're um, exploring faith and you're like, man, like I talked about earlier, how is Jesus and God relatable to me? And I'm not sure if I can relate with the Bible I've tried. Read the Psalms. They're incredible. Psalms 8 uh, is a beautiful psalm where the writer starts off by saying, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And he starts and ends the psalm the same way with this recognition of who God is. He says, when I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you've set in the place, and I'm paraphrasing here, like the birds and the fish and all these things, what is man that you care for him? The son of man that, that you care for him, you set him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crown him with glory and honor. This guy's sitting out in the middle of wilderness in the middle of the night looking up and seeing all the stars and going, I'm small and you're not, but you care for me. Oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name and all the earth. I want that kind of life. I want you to have that kind of life. Not to walk around in a state of zombie living. You know what zombie living is, right? That's probably gonna be our series next uh, Halloween season, so just <laughs> heads up. That, that just getting by miserable and a little more miserable each passing year. Like, I, I had a season like that in my life. I worked at a job that I didn't care for, and and I got off of focus. And I remember waking up, and the song that played, oh, there's two songs that played over and over in my head. One was by a band called Switchfoot. And and they would say, if we're just adding to the noise, turn off the song, and I just kept turning it off because I was so frustrated with my life. The other one was, everybody's working for the weekend. Because that's how I felt. Like, I was like, maybe I can just make it through to another weekend. Maybe I can just make it through to another day. But that's not the kind of life that Jesus wants us to have. 
And when I put Jesus on the throne of my life, everything changes. You ever been really hungry or thirsty, thirsty and you finally uh, get the chance to eat or drink the thing that you really need? I grew up in Texas, as a lot of you know. Uh, I said before, I have a twin sister. She's amazing. Everybody, anybody seen the movie Twins? Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. My joke is that she's Arnold Schwarzenegger and I was Danny DeVito because I just got all the leftovers, okay? Like, she's taller than me, not fair. She's good looking, not fair. She's so smart, that's fair because she's better than me, okay? But like, we went to Arizona, we were with my dad and one of his friends and we were going hiking. Now, I'm from Texas. Texas gets really hot in the summer, but it was 300 degrees in Arizona that day. And we went hiking up this mountain. We went 10 miles up the mountain and 10 miles down the mountain. And I know it might seem impossible, but it was uphill in both ways. And I had this guy cracking a whip at the back of my heels. It might have been my dad or it might have been just my imagination, but I was like dying. And we made a mistake. We did not take any water with us. And by the end of our hike, like we were struggling, like we were hurting. And I remember going to a restaurant and, and we pulled in and we probably like, remember the zombie thing I just talked about? We were like, I need water. And we walked in and I'm like, I want a pitcher of water. And I was like, you might have misunderstood me. You might have heard me say, I want a glass of water. You might have said, heard me say, I'm really thirsty. I want two glasses of water. No, I want my own pitcher of water. No ice, just water. She brings it out. I grab the pitcher and I start drinking it. I know that's not how you're supposed to act in a restaurant. I didn't care. It's 300 degrees in Arizona. The waitress understood. <laughs> She's like, it's 300 degrees out. You look like you've been hiking. She brings out another pitcher. She brings out another pitcher. And there's all of us that are drinking water at this point. And we finally get to this moment where we had relief because we had been filled. That empty place in us had been filled. I want to ask you, what are you filling yourself with? Are you putting Jesus in the throne of your life? Are you putting an artificial substitute expecting it to give you life? Can you imagine if she'd brought me out a pitcher of soda? It would've been horrible. Because if you've ever been really, 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 really thirsty and someone brings you soda, you're like, no! Like that's garbage! On a normal Friday night, thank you, I love that! You're like, no, that's not what I need. It's an artificial, it's a substitute. It's not gonna fill me. What are you feeding and filling your life with? Are you feasting on the artificial and expecting to be fulfilled? Feast on the bread of life. This is what Jesus, who Jesus says he is. I'm here to fill you completely. I'm here to give you what you need. And if you are new, you are invited to experience that kind of life. If you're new and you have questions, come find me. Come, come find one of the other pastors, one of the worship leaders, and try to make him as uncomfortable as possible and say, hey, I want to experience that kind of life. I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you've been here for a long time 
and you like kept your eyes on Jesus and you kept your eyes on Jesus and you kept your eyes on Jesus and at some point you just kind of took a left turn and you find yourself going like, man, my life is just not full of the joy that it used to have. He's inviting you to come back and place him in the throne of your life again to experience that Zoe kind of life, the vigorous, the fulfilling life. So how do we live this out? I want to challenge you with a couple of things. First, when it comes to God, are you seeking him for what he can give you or for who he is? Because it's easy, easy for us to look in the Bible and look at these stories and go, oh, how foolish. Didn't they know that Jesus was there? But then in our everyday lives, we find ourselves in the exact same place. Can you just give me enough to get by? Can you just give me these physical things? Like, where are you looking? Are you seeking God for? To give you what you really need for who he really is. Number two, are you trying to fill yourself with temporary things that just leave you empty? How can you turn to Jesus as the bread of life to satisfy your deepest longings? In other words, how can you say, no, I need water. I don't need the artificial. No, I need Jesus, the true giver of life, not these artificial things that I continue to fill my life in. And here's the thing I love. Uh, I was listening to a, a pastor that, that I listened to quite a bit. He's in New York, and he was talking about before he came to know Christ, he was living like every young man's dream. He's from Australia, he was surfing, he was living out of his van, he had women and all the things that he thought would satisfy him, yet he felt completely empty. He said, until I found Jesus. And when I found Jesus, I found life and life to the full and my life changed forever because I began putting Jesus in that place. And when I started experiencing the fullness of life in Jesus, all those other things were easy to say no to. So what are you filling yourself with? Number three, and this one's really hard, embrace the simplicity of belief. You notice I said it's really hard, right? Because sometimes it's hard for us. We, we want to earn it. We want to say, well, if, if, if I work a fair day's you know, work, then I'm going to get a fair day's wage. Embrace the simplicity that Jesus came, that it's not by works that we're saved so that no man can boast, but it's the grace of God. Embrace the simplicity. It's not about striving, but about trusting in the one whom God has sent. And number four, and guys, this should be the rally cry of every church. Who can you invite to join you on this journey? Who can you invite? Who needs to hear the good news? There was a study recently done that showed uh, that young adults actually thought it was wrong to share their faith with other people. Now, I understand that's not, that's not every young adult. But overwhelmingly, the study showed that they felt like, hey, if I was to go out and share my faith or invite somebody to church, that that would be wrong. Here, here's what I'm here to tell you. If you have life, if you have a pitcher of water and they've been uh, you know, out in the mountains in 300 degree weather and they're desperate, aren't you going to give it to them? Who can you invite to join you? Guys, this is good news. We are given a great commission to go into all the world and to tell of the love of God. Amen. So this is the first of our I am statements. Maybe you've misunderstood 
Maybe it's been misrepresented and you've had questions. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. You have belonging, you have home, you have a place in Jesus. So as you go about your week, remember to feast on that bread of life. Remember to go to him in times of joy, in times of trial, in times of just, it's Monday. Remember that Jesus is inviting that ultimate satisfaction, the eternal fulfillment that you've been seeking. Don't settle for fake, processed garbage. It's not gonna satisfy. Find your true satisfaction in him. And right now we're gonna go into communion where we take time to remember that sacrifice where we take time to remember that he literally is the bread of life. Jesus, as he goes to the Last Supper, talks to his disciples and he says, hey, as often as you take of this bread, this bread of life, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. Hey, when you drink of this cup, as often as you drink of this cup, Remember that I'm here to give you life and life to the full that I willingly went to the cross and gave of myself. And so we have this beautiful story today pointing to the Exodus, pointing to creation and pointing to when he made all things new. So as we celebrate communion today, maybe for the first time, Pray that he would fill you. Pray that he would nourish you. Pray that you would know that Zoe that he talks about. Would you pray with me as we prepare to take communion together? God, you are good. And you give us life, life beyond what we've known and what we've experienced. I pray that you would be on the throne of our lives. God, that we would trust in you with all fullness and completeness. And that we would lay aside everything that would hinder or ensnare us, and that we would run with perseverance a race marked out for us. Thank you for your body and your blood given for us, that you are the bread of life, and that in you, we no longer thirst or hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion together now.